Welcome to Christchurch Manchester Sermon Podcast. We are one church that meets in various locations across Greater Manchester. For more information about who we are and where we meet, please visit www.christchurchmanchester.com. How do we think the best of others? So one of CCM's core beliefs is that we think the best of others, okay? So we're going to be looking at that today before our Christmas's services coming up and say Colin will be bringing you another one next week. So and the Bible tells us in through helps us in three ways of how we can think the best of others. How we can really love one another, which actually is it easy to really love one another? Let's be serious today. Is it easy? Does it come naturally? Maybe yes. But I'm sure there are some times when it's actually very difficult to love one another. So the Bible explains in three ways, I believe. It explains that there is a big issue, that it's all in the head, bear with me on that one, and that there is a great hope. So I'm going to read to you our passage today. It's from Philippians 2, verses 1 to 5. It's a cracking passage. I'm sure you know it well. If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and in purpose and or mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Wow. Each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. What a high calling that is, isn't it? So, I mean, to read words, if you've noticed, you might know your Bible really well. If you read it, it can sound quite simple. But actually, when we get to the nitty-gritty, when the rubber hits the road, these things can be incredibly difficult. Do you agree? Yes. Different, so why is it so difficult? Part of the problem with human beings is when they get close to each other, there tends to be trouble. Why? Because we have different goals, don't we? We have different goals, we have different makeup, we have different desires, different personality. And we see this, I believe, mostly in family. We also obviously see it in the office as well, but you, we see it in the family. I don't know what your family was like, but this is the big issue, okay? And this is what we're going to understand about. I remember growing up with my brother, bless his heart, he was two years older than me, we were similar size, but very, very differently made up. And um, for about four and a half years, while we were in our early teens, we literally got on like cat and dog. He would, <laughs> it used to be the same scenario, I can picture it even now. He would tease me about something, and I would chase him around the house. Uh, and then he knew if he got into the bathroom quickly enough and got his foot on the toilet and his back on the door, I had no way of getting in. And I would be so frustrated because I wanted to get him back for what he'd said to me. And I, I wasn't innocent. To the, I would wind him up as well. But when we got to the age of about 15 or 17, about the age when, when boys were a bit too big, 
we actually became to fisticuffs. Now, that's a, a Latin word for punching. Uh, and what my mum would do was say, um, oh, well, it's half of one, and what was it, six of one and half a dozen of the other. It's a cracking phrase. Um, and she would, she would move us into the garage where there would be no damage done, and we'd have fisticuffs in the garage. And, but in that time, it went too far. So my brother threw a right hit me in the face, and I went over the car bonnet. It was like a western, and I landed on the floor, and I thought, that's too much. We've gone too far, and he agreed. It's possibly the worst thing, or the, 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 the only thing we've ever agreed on. And what we did then was even worse, because what we did was we made an agreement together. It's like we made a covenant together, but not a good one. We agreed that we hated each other. And so then we agreed that we would no longer talk, which is crazy. Now, this lasted about two or three years, which is awful, isn't it? It sounds so extreme, but actually, it's quite common. It's quite common. We see it in the world today, let alone families. See, the big issue with me as a a teenager was I was so selfish, and so was my brother. We ticked very, very differently we had different goals, but we were both so immature. But this is common in humanity's behaviour. I want to say that I made it up with my brother, and we used, to, we used to see loads of each other and get on like a house on fire when we finally matured about 19 years old. But I don't know whether you're watching, I'm a semi-body brave enough to put the hand up, they're watching I'm a celebrity at the moment. What, just two? Two? What a holy church, I love that. I'm watching it, but uh, it's not, I don't put it on, it's, it's Vic who puts it on. Uh, and then you've got Big Brother, and then you've got Survive. Anybody watching Survive on BBC One? I love this church, wow, you guys are close to the Lord. What is the attraction of these programmes? I believe it is because we, as the viewer, are looking down on something, as it were, from the TV. We're looking down at reality, apparently, uh, of, of people's relationships together and arguments taken off and, and we can make a judgment about who's right and who's wrong and we can then vote someone out we've got power and yet they never see our face isn't it interesting see my, myself and my brother we were certainly not united and we certainly didn't see the best in each other but we were of the same family And so I had a a quick look through Genesis, just Genesis, the first book of the Bible, to see how much trouble takes place in families, just in this one book. And I was amazed at what I found. So immediately, um, Adam and Eve's children, Cain and Abel, from the get-go, okay, Cain takes Abel out into the field because he's angry and jealous. And what does he do? He kills his brother. The two brothers, not too long after Jacob and Esau, have a terrible start in life and part company with Esau wanting to kill his cheating brother. We see the same again with Ishmael and Isaac. They parted company, becoming eventual enemies, as they still are today. It's interesting. I looked into Josephus, who was a a Roman historian, and he traces the lineage, obviously, of... Uh, the Jews to Isaac, which is obvious, but also of the Arabs 
to Ishmael. Maybe you know all about that. And what is the problem today between Gaza and Israel? It's those two brothers still fighting. And it's not gone away, has it? Not to mention Joseph and his brothers. What of the close relationships of the brothers of Russia and Ukraine? Chaos in families. And all this chaos came from the one we are related to. So this is where I want to talk to you about. So we see what the big issue is. The big issue in humanity is that we find it difficult to get on. But there's a reason for that. And I want to say it's all about our head. Okay, so hear me rightly on that. It's about who we are related to initially. Okay, so head, capital. Talk about bad inheritance. So who is humanity's head? Anybody can tell me? That's right, it's Adam. Very good. All this behaviour came from the one decision that Adam and Eve made those thousands and thousands of years ago. Sin and rebellion entered the world. What was their decision? To do life apart from God. They are our head. This led to sin, as we know. And what is sin? But it's self in control. And what is self in control? It leads, or its fruits are, greed, anger, jealousy, gossip, fighting, all of those things I was doing with my brother. And I'm sure you recognize these things in yourself. I'm sure you do. And Romans 5 describes anyone who does not belong to Christ as having Adam as their head. And so the sinful self-life throws, flows naturally through them. See, our behavior in many ways is natural for the Adamic family. We belong to, if we belong to him, we will naturally do the things that he did. It's very interesting. Again, it's all described in Romans 4, 5, 6. So this is bad news, isn't it? And this is what I get when I watch the news. Do you watch the news much on BBC News? I can't take much of it. I used to watch it quite a bit when I was younger, but now I get so depressed and upset, I have to switch it off. And then I feel guilty for switching it off because I'm kind of just pulling away from seeing what the world is like. So we have this big issue. We have a massive issue in thinking the best of others or loving each other. And we've seen that that originates originally in Adam, our head. And we can't just then say, which we did Alpha recently, and people will say, well, that's Adam's fault. What's it got to do with me? We can't say that because if we were in the same position as he was, we would have done the same thing. We're not innocent bystanders, and we confirm that with our behavior on a daily basis. I'm sure you'll agree. Look at our behavior. Look at your behavior. I made a fool of myself <laughs> earlier this week, which is quite rare, but I really did. No, I really did. I really, really did. It was so bad. And I expected God to really reprimand me, but he was so good to, you, to me. I'd love to explain to what it is, and suddenly your ears are saying, explain it, but I'm not going to do that. Talk to me after. Um, so... 
How do we think the best of others? Where is this hope? Where is this hope for this church, for the church, the UK church, for God's church, to be any different than any other gathering out there? So did you ever watch the House of Commons as they gather together? Sometimes there's insults, there's arguments, there's cliques. They're certainly not thinking the best of each other. So what is the way forward for us in this church, in CCM Gorton and right across the UK? Our great hope, as we always explain, is only what Christ has accomplished for us on the cross. We must understand what Jesus has done. So let's go back to our verses, shall we? So it says, so this is what Paul is saying to the Philippian people, Philippian church, he's saying in his letter. If you have any encouragement for, from being united with Christ, okay, if any comfort, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. So what, what was, what is, what's he saying? He's, he's really assuming that the Philippian Christians have encouragement from God have, have, have seen loving comfort, have experienced the fellowship with the Spirit, have experienced tenderness and compassion with God. He's assuming that that's taken place, that they've been encouraged, that they've been made one with Christ, that they have been comforted by his love. They do enjoy fellowship with the Holy Spirit and they do experience tenderness and compassion. They know all these things in reality because they recognise his working in them. They know. I wonder if you know today. Do you recognise God's working in you? They know that they belong to Jesus and are in his family. They are in Christ. And this is the two words that are so important for us to understand. Are you in Christ today? Ask yourself that question. Am I in Christ And you might say, well, how do I know? See, it's such an important phrase, and it's used in Philippians many times, but it's used in the New Testament 170 times. The Bible wants us to know what in Christ means, yeah? What is the church? Is it about, you know, is it it meant to be about our colour or our race or our job or our status? Is it a gathering of people of a certain class? that holds us together in the church, in his family? No, I think it's a gathering of people under a new head over us, Christ himself. We know what Adam achieved for us. I've just explained what Adam achieved for us. He achieved the self-life. It's all about us. It's all about selfish decisions. It's all about me. So as we get a new head over us, Jesus himself, we then start to inherit what he achieved and what did Jesus achieve. He conquered sin and all those in him have the possibility of living like him thanks to his Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Isn't that good news? Replicating his family likeness in and through us as we allow him. So no longer replicating the Adam life in us of selfishness and anger, but rather if we start to, to recognise 
that Christ is our head, if you belong to him, you can then start to replicate the family likeness of him. Isn't that exciting? So the possibilities of the family are incredible. As far as the family members recognise what has happened and who they are and begin to walk in the spirit. So we can think the best and truly love one another. So what can be modelled here in CCM Reddish can be traces of the kingdom to come. A whole new family with Christ's likeness, him as our head instead of Adam likeness. Can you imagine some of the people who live around here walking in and experiencing that kind of love? And that's what the Bible says. They will come in amongst you and wonder, wow, what kind of love is this? Have you experienced that? So good. And it comes not from our good behaviour. It comes from us recognising who is our head and allowing his life to flow through us. So like the Philippians, we are called to be united in harmony. How am I doing for time, Dan? Good. Paul calls for this unity in four ways. And we're going to look a little bit of Greek. He wants the Philippians to have the same mind, okay? In other words, the same thinking, which is the word thronio, okay, in Greek. To have the same love and to be of one mind, okay? So Paul uses the word thronio. Can we say thronio? Yeah, good. He uses this word, and it's much more than just a mental exercise. It's actually to allow change in your thinking due to what has happened to you. Okay, have you got that? Change in your thinking and behaviour because of what has happened to you. Okay, so Paul wants the Philippians to think the same way, to have the same mind that is similar attitudes, concerns, intentions that relate to their new head, their new family. In another part of the Bible, it says that we have the mind of Christ. See, our thinking is so important. It seems that when Paul was talking to the Philippians, that there was some disunity. And it was caused by some differences of opinion. It's not stated. But Paul wants the Philippians to have the same mind, same attitudes, the same concerns, and the same intentions. See, it's when we have vastly different ones that there is trouble. But it doesn't mean that this is necessary for us to always have the same opinions on matters of faith, church policy, or practice. Even Paul disagreed with other apostles at times. Often it's good to have differences of opinion as this will stretch our understanding of God, his word, his mission, and his world. However, we must be very wary not to let differences of opinion destroy an individual's faith or the mission and testimony of the church. So like-mindedness, harmony and unity among the Philippian believers are what make Paul's joy full and complete. Why? Because they prove the work of the Holy Spirit. It's a sign that Christ is the head and Lord of our lives. Isn't that great? That when we start to get to know the Lord, we become more united and loving towards each other. See, selfishness and its relatives, envy, jealousy, contentiousness, conceit, pride, 
arrogance will begin to recede as we move closer to God. To follow Jesus Christ means to die to self, to our selfish and sinful passions and desires. Now, this can be a tough call, can't it? And one that continues until we see Jesus face to face. And it's one that has challenged Christians throughout the past two millennia. However, dying to self is not necessarily grim. Dying to self means living for God and his will, which can be joyful, satisfying, and rewarding. Part of our journey towards spiritual maturity is that we continue to live for God and love this family that we belong to, instead of following other ultimately empty and meaningless ambitions. What does all this lead to? As we choose to follow our head, to live as he lived, to say no to the Adam life, what does this lead to? It leads to humility, doesn't it? Now, humility is a byproduct of having Christ as our head, because Christ was humble, which is a remarkable thing, isn't it? The fact that the Lord of all, the King and the one who spoke the Son into being was humble. And the personal quality of humility is a characteristic of Jesus Christ and his true followers. Again, it is thinking rightly. Now that Christ is your head, allow his ways to be seen in you. Paul gives us clear and practical advice on how to live with humility towards others. Firstly, he says, and these are amazing words, regard one another as more important or even better than yourselves. Guys, how's that going? How's that going? How's that going? Because that's opposite to our culture. Regard others better than yourselves. If we really started to do that, empowered by the Holy Spirit, imagine what that would look like as we took that on the streets. My goodness me. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Again, radical in this culture. This straightforward advice is something that we cannot or we can put into practice immediately. If you haven't done so already, realise now, guys, speaking to myself, that people are more important than you are. Wow. And begin to show a real interest in the welfare of those around you. Don't do this because you should. Do it because Christ does it. And he's done it with you. This is a CCM culture of thinking the best. Paul writes that we should and can have the same humble and selfless attitude as Jesus Christ. Timothy Keller writes these words uh, in uh, The Reason for God. He, He writes, The essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself or thinking less of myself. It's actually thinking of myself less. Do you get that? I'll say it again. This is actually not from the reason for God. It's from the little book, The the Joy of Self-Forgetfulness. Yeah, It says, the essence of gospel humility is not thinking more of myself. So again, this culture says, think more of yourself. Or thinking less of myself, which again, this culture says, oh, you know, um, 
uh, you, you know, you've, you've made, oh well, whatever, you understand. It's thinking of myself less. Wow. And this is what Jesus did. We saw it, we see it in our head. As he walked around Israel, he denied himself and put others first. Imagine that being modelled here in this family. What would that look like? And I'm sure you're well on the way anyway. But what a tremendous thing. Because it's so opposite to culture. As people walk in here, as you go out there and in the grey horse, they will see this and think, I've looked for this for all of my life. And here it is being modelled. I want to be part of this family. And that's what we've noticed as people from Oasis have come into church. You've seen it. Many of you were part of Gorton. So exciting. The head of this family, Jesus himself, did not go his own way as Adam did, but gave up his rights, gave up his status for us to save us. He gave up his life on the cross so we can have new life. Did you notice that life change when Christ became your head? Are you noticing the change today? Because that's what the Christian life can be all about. It's about change from one year to the next as we move closer to him. Are you seeing change in your life? He became sin that we might be the righteousness of God. He is our head. No longer Adam. If if you've given your life to Christ, Adam is no longer your head. Do you know that? This is such good news. Christ is your head, so the possibility of the things I'm talking about are endless. His nature in you. He has set the way that we might walk in it. And all that way is selfless love to all, including our enemies. And I struggle with this. I want to say I struggle with this. The the area I live in, there's a lot of selfishness. There's lunatics on motorbikes who caused me to think about getting a a gun and shooting them. You know, I'm I'm, I'm being serious. I I, I get woken up at night through lunatics on motorbikes. I think, and then I start to imagine how I can get them back. (laughs) It's terrible. And I have to say, Lord, no, 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 no. That's the Adam rubbish. The Christ stuff is to pray blessings on him. Why is he delivering drugs at this time of night? Lord, he might be forced into doing this. Lord, would you bless him? And as my neighbours might be having a a 24-hour reckless nightmare of a party and keeping us up all night, in my Adam thinking, I'd be thinking, I'm going to just, I'm going to wait until they're asleep and I'm going to stick my big speakers on and I'm going to blast them out of bed. That's, I, I do that. I think that and I want to do that. And then I remember the grace God show, has shown me when I've sinned. And he says to me, the Holy Spirit has got the audacity to say to me after years of, of struggling with my neighbours, he says, they've forgotten to put their bins out. You put their bins out for them. Now it's a small thing. It's a small thing, guys. And inside... My old Adam life is saying, uh, don't do that. They don't deserve that. And the Holy Spirit says, put the bins out for them. And then I think, well, they never, they'll never, they never know. They won't know it's me. doesn't matter. Just do it. So I've been doing that. It deserves a round of applause, doesn't it? <laughs> I've been doing that. 
I've been doing that. And no, they haven't noticed. But actually now I've got in the habit of doing it practically every week. I take their bins out and I bring them back in again and shut the gates and put their bin by their door. And they must be wondering, who's emptying our bins? And I gosh. <laughs> but I, I mean, it's a small thing. But what about your lives? In your lives, what are the things, tiny little changes that can show the kingdom of God to those around us who have never seen it before? What are those things? God is so good, you see. He can work through tiny things. We don't see perfection yet in our relationships, do we? I'm not preaching here saying we should be perfect because, as you know with me, I'm not, okay? We see glimpses and we press on. We should simply receive God's forgiveness with profound gratitude and keep walking humbly but surely into the newness of life that Jesus has secured for us. How can we think the best? How can we truly love one another in this place? How can we show each other grace? We've got to see the big issue, that that includes us, see it's a sin issue, and fall on his great hope. The answer is found in him. Come to him. What's the Holy Spirit whispering to you right now? Do you need to forgive somebody, even in here? Maybe you need to start to love your neighbour, your literal neighbour, like I need to do. Do you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness? Just let's have the band come up. Do you need to ask the Lord for forgiveness, maybe for your choices, your lack of love towards those around you, whether it's in the church or not? This is a portion where I read you a bit of just a Tim Keller from the reason of God, reason for God. The Christian gospel is that I am so lost, I'm so sinful that Jesus had to die for me. Do you realise that in yourself? I am so lost, I'm so sinful that Jesus had to die for me, yet The other side of the coin is, I am so loved and so valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. What does this do? It leads to deep humility and deep confidence at the same time. It undermines arrogance and insecurity. 1 John 4, 7 says these words, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who is love, everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Father God, we we receive your words. Lord, we recognize the life of Adam and how toxic it is. But what good news it is that when we give our lives to Christ, his life comes in and changes everything. Thanks for listening. To explore this sermon or learn more about our church, please navigate to the links provided in this podcast description. From there, you can connect with us on social media and you're welcome to check out the music links featured in this episode. From our very own musicians. You can also discover current events and information about where we meet on Sundays and various groups or community projects that you can join in with. 
If you're interested in knowing more about us or wish to join us for one of our meetings, please reach out. Simply drop us an email at hello at ccm.org.uk. We look forward to connecting with you.